0: Welcome back to the Alpha Females Invest podcast, two females working in the finance industry searching for alpha. My
1: name is Emily. And my name is Clooney. And together we bring diversified perspectives from the buy and sell side of the finance world.
0: As usual, any information discussed in this podcast is not financial advice. All opinions reflect those of the individuals and this podcast is for educational purposes only. You should always read the PDS and talk to a financial advisor who can consider your personal circumstances before you invest.
1: Today on our show, we've got Jessica Lung who's an equity portfolio manager at BetaShares. She has a focus on ESG and looks after funds such as ETHI and FAIR, which have over three billion in assets under management combined. Prior to BetaShares, Jess worked within the systematic equities portfolio management team at Macquarie Investment Management. She is super passionate about markets and financial literacy and is also the face behind the social media account, The Lung Way, which is really about raising awareness with financial literacy and educating on all things investing and especially ETFs. Welcome to the show, Jess. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So to kick it off, we love to start every podcast episode with the same first and last question. And look, we've had some great stories over the the last few episodes that we've done, you know, ranging from very, very embarrassing work moments to releasing statements that were totally incorrect. So I'd love to hear what is your most embarrassing career moment.
2: So I would say mine's actually similar to one of your previous guests. It's a wardrobe malfunction. So this was right after I started working at Macquarie, you know, it's my first job straight out of uni, walking up Martin Place, and then all of a sudden I just feel this tap on my shoulder. And then it was this girl, (laughs) I didn't know who it was at that time. And then she just whispers in my ear, it's like, you have a big slit at the back of your dress. And I was just like, (gasps) and then I suddenly put my hand behind it and I felt it was just, you know, the bottom (laughs) half. (laughs) completely open I had no idea what it was and then she just quickly scurried off so she was very nice about it you know she just wanted to tell me discreetly but then I realized as she was walking off and I kind of saw a full view of her that she was actually the HR recruiter that recruited me into my quarry.
1: I love that embarrassing story with HR twist. And aren't the girls, like girls,
0: just the best? I like to walk to work in thongs, full disclosure. And I was once wearing a full length skirt, which was like a, almost a white, like a sand color. And it was raining. And I was obviously like from my thongs, it flicked like dirt the whole way down the back (laughs) of the dress. And this lady really nicely told me, on the train, like, oh, by the way, you've got dirt all the back of your skirt. But like, I'd rather not know because now I have to spend the whole train ride and the walk to the office. Paranoid thinking about it. Exactly, with the dirt all down the back of my dress. But anyway, I feel like it's always better policy to tell someone than let them continue to walk around. Yes.
1: I think you've got to say something. I've definitely been in that situation. I've done the toilet paper at the back once. That was (laughs) a low point. I've also had a a (laughs) stiletto heel like fully break on me. And that was hard. That <laughs> was walking to a client meeting, meeting this client for the first time, you know, looking, thinking I'm looking fantastic and really professional. And I get there with like half a shoe on and that wasn't great either. So <laughs> I feel for all these people with embarrassing career slash wardrobe moments.
2: I feel like we've all been there. So we can all emphasize each another. Like we know, we know. We've all been there. So
0: Jess, let's jump in to your role and what you're doing, particularly your side hobbies, which are all very interesting. So your role is portfolio manager at BetaShares and you also have your own financial education social media platform, which is the long way. Can you tell us what this is all about? And it's actually how we came into contact with you through social media.
2: Yeah, so my social media, the long way, you can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So like you mentioned before, my main aim is to really help raise awareness with financial literacy and just to help educate investors about personal finances, investing, and especially ETFs. So with the rise of retail investors and influencers of the like, I felt like there was almost a need for a platform to educate people about investing. So most of the influencers or stuff that I see online is about sharing the personal journey, which I'm all for as well. But I just felt like there was just really lacking an educational voice in this space. Yes, I felt like there was a need for a platform to educate people about investing, uh, about ETFs and especially about risk. So that's something that not many people talk about because I guess they're just not familiar with it. And I wanted to do this in an approachable, easy to understand manner and just to help best equip investors with the tools so that they can be more informed and make better investment choices for themselves. So I would say we're quite similar in the sense that I thought who else would be better in this space and someone that's actually working in the industry and especially the person that's managing these ETFs. So I know these products inside out and I just really wanted to be a responsible and trustworthy voice that people could rely on.
1: I love that motive, Jess, and I, You know, I think it really aligns well, as you said, with what we're trying to do here. So, um, you know, Emma and I are definitely behind the long way, and I just think it's fantastic. The more people that can get on board with this promotion of financial literacy, the better. Moving on to BetaShares, which is obviously you know a big provider of passive ETFs, can you perhaps just firstly tell us? What is passive investing in your view? A little bit about beta shares and, you know, little things like how much money do they manage and I guess their style and thematics?
2: Yes, so let's start with BetaShares. So BetaShares is one of the leading ETF providers in Australia. We recently expanded into New Zealand, actually, and our FUM, or Funds Under Management, is currently sitting over $22 billion. So now you may think that we're purely a passive shop because we have so many passive products, but we actually do also offer some active ETFs as well. So, our goal is to provide investment solutions to our investors. So, that's why we offer a wide range of products to help them build a well-diversified portfolio. So, now what is passive investing? So, passive investing is where the fund aims to replicate the index. So, there are no active weights relative to the index. So, what that means is, for example, if CBA was 9% of the index weight, then your portfolio should hold 9% in CBA too so now passive just doesn't mean your broad market cap weighted indices so the ones that you're familiar with such as the ASX 200 or the S&P 500 or the Nasdaq which are more commonly referred to as your market exposure ETFs and there are also passive country specific ETFs sector specific ETFs and of course your thematic ETFs as well where you're investing in innovation and that's usually where the country and sector agnostic Uh, So at the end of the day, passive investing just really means that you're following a set of rules and how you construct the rules to give you the exposure that you want. And that's known as the index methodology.
0: Given that, and you are trying to, you know, meet a lot of investors' needs with the products that you're providing, and that's great to hear you recently opened in New Zealand. Very exciting. Can you talk us through some of the most popular BetaShares products and why or how an investor would use these products?
2: So some of them are most popular. So I'm just doing this by the largest assets under management. The three funds are A200, NDQ and ETHI. So they're all suitable for core allocations within your portfolio and they give you exposure to a wide range of stocks. So let's start with A200. So that's a domestic exposure. That's 200 of the largest companies by market cap listed on the ASX. So it's also one of the cheapest ETFs providing that exposure on the market right now at just seven basis points. So NDQ or the NASDAQ 100, that's the largest non-financial companies listed on the NASDAQ stock exchange. It's another broad market cap-weighted index it gives you exposure to big tech names such as your Apple, Microsoft, and Amazon. So both NASDAQ and A200 are great to use as building blocks or the foundation of your portfolio. And lastly, one of my personal favorites because i management, Ethy. So this one gives you exposure to a diversified portfolio of sustainable international names that are considered climate leaders in its sector. So I think this one has resonated really well with Investors, because it's a true to label, it has the most comprehensive set of screens in the market, and it appeals to both green and keen investors, as well as beginner ones that just want to, you know, expand or step into ESG and learn more about the space. And most importantly, it just really appeals to those that want to invest their money as well as do good with their money. So we're very transparent about our holdings, and Ethi is also certified by the Responsible Investment Association Australia, or RIA.
1: I think all those products sound really interesting and, you know, I'm sure Em and I would love to delve into them a little bit more at a different point in time, but I know we've got plenty more questions to go through. If I take a step back, this type of investing is clearly quite different to active investing. Why did um, beta shares go for an ETF model? Can you perhaps explain the key difference and I guess your key competitive advantage in that regard? Yeah, sure. So beta shares was started and went down the ETF
2: route. is really just to help democratize investing. So beta shares has been around for over 10 years. So even though ETFs has kind of become a household name just over the past few years, we've actually been around a little bit longer than that. So thinking back to 10 years, ETFs weren't that well known. And how would you invest your money back then? So back then you would just invest by a managed fund. So they usually have a higher Barrier to entry, you probably have to invest 10 or 15,000. And then they charge, I guess, higher fees than, than our current passive products do. And then they're not as transparent with their holdings or their positions as such. So our aim was to really provide diversified exposure in an efficient and convenient manner. So you can trade an intraday like you would any share on the ASX by your brokerage. There's lower barriers to entry. So most of the time it's just your $500 minimum trade size. And yes.
1: What do you see as the key difference to active investing and why do you prefer passive?
2: Yeah, so we went through passive investing just a bit before. So just as a quick recap, so passive is index tracking, while active is where the fund manager tries to be the index. So the portfolio manager has to views either about a certain stock, sector or asset class and they implement that via the positions in the fund. So, most active managers are benchmark agnostic and so their positions actually look nothing like the index. But yes, I think for mainland investors, the most important part, especially for retails and ones trying to grow their wealth over the long term, is to just get exposure to the market in the first place. So, that's why passive stands out. Thanks,
0: Jess. I have been on record saying that I think ETFs are a great way for people to start getting exposure to the market, particularly as a way, if they don't have a large amount to invest, to get exposure to a lot of different securities or to the market as a whole and just to start investing, watching market moves, getting a foot in the door. So I I do really think that there's a purpose for ETFs and passive ETFs as well. I guess going into your role a little bit more specifically, As we mentioned, a passive ETF tends to track the benchmark index, which is not set by yourself. The index is set by the index provider. So what would a role of a portfolio manager do? And you briefly touch on some of the funds that you focus on, but maybe just any other funds that you work across and and what they do.
2: Yeah, sure. So let's start with the funds that I manage. So I look after our ESG suite of funds. So like you mentioned, cleaning before, that includes EFI, FAIR, and some other ones include EARTH, so E-R-T-H is a ticker, as well as our ethical diversified ETFs. And some other international ETFs that I manage as well include the cloud computing one, so that's ticker CLDD, and robotics and AI, so RVTZ. So now what do I do as a portfolio manager? So as a portfolio manager, I look after the underlying assets, So, which in my case, because I look after equities, it's just all the stocks and cash in the portfolio. So even though the portfolio is primarily unchanged, there's actually still a lot of day-to-day maintenance of the fund. So that includes taking care of the cash balances, any corporate actions, trading for flows, and index rebalances. So yeah, between all the funds I cover, it actually takes up quite a lot of my time. And another big part of my role is product development. So seeing what's out there in the market, what's missing, and working with index providers to come up with new products and solutions for our investors.
1: You touched just then, Jess, on cash balances and index rebalances, and that goes really nicely into the next question that I had, which was how does rebalancing work on a passive portfolio? You know, is it typically quarterly or is it more often than that or less
2: often? Yeah, so this is actually a really timely question. So today is the 21st or the Monday in March. Most of the commonly used indices rebalance every third Friday of each quarter. So I actually just rebalanced a lot of our funds last Friday, so this is all very fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so what is index rebalancing? So, like we said, there are rules in place that and that is known as the index methodology that determine what goes into the index. So, as a portfolio manager or as a passive fund, all we do is we try to follow the index rules. So, the index rules might dictate what names gets added or removed, and also the weights of names change throughout time. So just in between rebalances, the weights drift because of market movements, and then there's also corporate actions such as mergers. So, for example, 200 names might become 199 and so forth. So our job is to really make sure that the fund mirrors the index, of which is tracking and as your point, as to how frequent does a portfolio rebalance, it really depends on the fund and the index methodology itself. So like I said, a lot do quarterly, but at the same time, there are also funds which do semi-annual or just even once a year.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, I didn't appreciate all of the day-to-day, but it makes so much sense because you're getting inflows, outflows, you know, drifting in the portfolio. And so there's probably, I can imagine, a huge amount of work that goes into just maintaining that zero active exposure or, or benchmark tracking. So that's really interesting to hear your perspective.
2: Yeah, because I think a lot of people don't realise that an index is hypothetical. You know, there's no cost. It's very frictionless. It's just, I mean, plug it into a computer and it spits out the output. But there's actually, there needs to be someone that's actually maintaining the portfolio in the real-life situation to make sure that it mirrors the index best as possible.
0: Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the beta share products, and we have just passed or are going through a pretty volatile period in markets, what trends are you seeing from some of your investors? Are you seeing more than usual withdrawals or are people kind of doubling down and and putting in applications? Are there certain thematics that are becoming more in favour or less in favour? Are you seeing more into the global or the domestic funds? I'd be really interested to hear a little bit about, I guess, market sentiment and your clients' movements with the current markets.
2: Yeah, sure. So overall, we're still seeing inflows across global equities and selective defensive asset classes like the hybrids and government bonds. So it's actually quite reassuring to me, at least, that there hasn't been many outflows. It's reassuring to me because we know that our investors are investing for the long term, and they're actually just holding and riding out the current volatility that we're experiencing in the market right now. So just given recent events and inflation and the rising living costs, what I found was interesting was that we have actually seen an a small increase or increase in flows into our food ETF. So that is our global agriculture ETF.
1: That's really interesting. And I think, um, you know, I took a look at some of the other products that are offering and there are a couple of others that spiked my interest too. you know, including a crypto ETF, a cyber security ETF, an electric vehicle ETF. I'd be really keen to understand what are the requirements for companies to make it into these types of products. You know, obviously it's going to vary depending on the theme, but are there certain aspects you look at?
2: Yeah, so they're all, like you mentioned, they're all different in the way that we construct them, but they all have an overarching theme. And especially with our thematics, it's something that we consider the pure plainness. Or essentially, you can think about it as a percentage of revenue of which that company or stock generates, which is in line with the theme. So we want to capture as many pure plays in the space as possible. Yeah, so Crypt, which is our crypto innovators ETF. So that one doesn't actually hold any crypto assets itself, but instead just gives you exposure to the stocks within the crypto economy. So really the picks and shovels that's really fueling this whole trend that we're seeing at the moment. So that gives you exposure to companies building crypto mining equipment, crypto trading venues, and includes names such as Coinbase and Right Blockchain. So now another one that you mentioned is Hack, so our global cybersecurity ETF. So I guess this one has gotten a lot more coverage, I would say, just with all the recent hacking events or the news media that we see. So that that fund will give you access to global cybersecurity companies. And the top holdings include Cisco and CrowdStrike. And lastly, Drive. So this one is one of our fairly new products that we recently launched. It's Electric Vehicles and Future Mobility ETF. So I guess the rationale behind that one is that the sales of electric vehicles are projected to grow strongly in the coming years, and that will significantly increase the use of semiconductors and high-tech companies within these cars. So this fund will give you exposure of up to 50 of the world's leading automotive technology companies. And of course you have names like your Tesla, your Uber, Neo, and Active.
1: There's some really interesting themes and concepts. What do you think is the next sort of ETF concept and, and where do you think there's a gap in the market or, or where do you think the next product's gonna spring from?
2: Well, I can't give away too many of our trade (laughs) secrets, but just in terms of the next cycle theme, where do I even start? There's just so many to work on, but I guess an actual area or type of product that the current ETF market or especially just in Australia is missing is leverage and volatility ETF. So we see those quite a bit in the US, but we don't actually have many or any here. And of course, there's always more room for ESG products, in my opinion. In mine also.
1: I reckon that was the right answer, Jess.
0: (laughs) 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 On that ESG theme, very timely for this question, What power do you have as passive investors on the stewardship and activism front? So obviously, as active investors, you can, I guess, threaten to withdraw your money or exit a position, reduce a position. But I guess maybe that power would be a little bit limited in the passive sense, or maybe it wouldn't. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So
2: as a signatory to the principles of responsible investment, so BetaShares is committed to responsible investing. So we actually do actively engage with investing companies and vote proxy interests in better to advance management and of course ESG issues. So one of the biggest tools that we actually have is proxy voting. So that's effective in the sense that we are holding companies that we invest in accountable, encouraging good governance and driving improvements. So now, just given the fund that we manage, we actually do have quite a lot of say. And you will see recently in articles names like BlackRock and stuff also participating or, or doing their part. And something else, so in our ethical funds, we have something which is known as the Responsible Investment Committee or the RIC. So they independently review and advise on any shareholder resolutions and touch on matters of ESG concern. So we're also very transparent about everything that we do. We publish details on all proxies voted on our website on an annual basis. And the RIC will also engage with companies where they see fit.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. And obviously, ESG is always a a question that we have in every podcast episode and and makes it mandatory. But no, it is is really interesting to understand how different products on the market are providing an angle in there. Changing tact a little bit, how does BetaShares differentiate itself from other passive ETF providers in the marketplace? What do you see as your key benefit? Yeah, so I guess... Thinking back to 10 or 11 years ago when shares just started,
2: our main differentiating point was that we're Australian, we're Aussie-owned. We have the broadest range of products, and we also offer some of the cheapest products on the market. So going back to A200, where I mentioned before, and that's seven basis points, giving you exposure to 200 of the largest companies listed on the ASX. So personally, I think how BetaShares differentiates from other providers in the market is that we're really innovative. We're always thinking about what's next and what our investors want. We're very in tune with our investors. We engage with our clients a lot more than most ETF providers. And we're just always trying to do better. So what else do our investors want? Where's the next trend? What else can we best give them?
0: Jess, that's so amazing to hear that there's a seven basis point fee on one of your products. I know how important fees are as a consideration for investors and obviously passive does tend to have lower fees and typically no performance fees so it's a far cry from the 2 and 20 that some places (laughs) charge or have charged in the past. I guess what's the incentive to perform?
2: Is there an incentive to perform and why can you charge such low fees? Yeah. So something that I like to say is that you can't control performance of the fund, but you definitely can control fees. So that's something I feel like it actually gives power back to the investor in terms of managing your portfolio and achieving the best long-term results that you can as an investor. So going back to a point, which I mentioned before. So I think relevant to the majority of retail investors and the likes of ourselves out there, the most important thing is actually just gaining exposure to the market in the first place, and getting that exposure as efficiently and cheaply as possible. So although active managers might have an incentive to outperform, once again, it's never guaranteed, and the data suggests that most active managers actually underperform the broad market cap indices, with persistent outperformance particularly difficult.
0: For two women who make their career off active investing, you do provide some very valid
1: points. I was just about to say something similar, Em, and you know, I I do agree with the the concept of of gaining exposure to the market being just a critical first step, and that's where I think this just plays such an important role in you know developing financial knowledge across the market, and I guess that ties in quite nicely to my next question, which you know at the beginning we spoke about your social media platform. I would love to hear why did you start that and what's next in store for the long way?
2: Yes, yeah, so I mentioned before that I guess a main reason as why I started was just to help educate people out there. But another big reason personally, our main driver as to why I decided to launch my social media was representation. So as we know, there aren't many women working within finance. And when you go to investment teams, that number is even less and less by a lot. Many people don't know or would even consider a portfolio manager or just even the ETF industry in general as a possible career path. So even though it's quite daunting and almost almost embarrassing putting yourself out there on social media, I actually see it as quite important, you know, paying it forward and just to really be the representation and hopefully to inspire younger generation and in particular girls to pursue this as a career path. So what's in store next? So I hope to grow my platform, to reach as many people as possible, to educate about investing and raise awareness about financial literacy, as well as finance and portfolio management as a career path. So right now I'm mainly on Instagram and TikTok, but I'm also on YouTube. So as to what's next, maybe I can start my own podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll ask Em and I to be our guests on your podcast too, <laughs> Jess. <laughs> you'll be the first star, so opening stars on my show. That's great. And of
0: course, we share a very similar mission here. And so we love the work that you're doing and we are followers of your social media and I encourage our listeners to do the same. But our final question for the day, and we're sad to wrap this up, but it is always one of our favorite questions. Can you share with our audience your top career tip for people who just need a little bit of inspiration or a little bit of advice from someone who works in the industry and you know has
2: a really rewarding career? Mm-hmm. So this one, I've been saying this myself since I first came out of uni, is never be afraid to ask for that pay rise or the promotion that you deserve and to always go into negotiations with a plan. And if you need me, just go to the bathroom a few minutes before and strike a power pose. It does amazing.
1: <laughs> I love that, strike a power pose. <laughs> you know what? I've actually heard that before, and I think the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, my God, how ridiculous is if I'm going to walk into the bathroom and strike a power pose? It's scientifically proven, you know. It just changes your mindset and your confidence, and, yeah, it works. I must admit, you know, even sometimes when you just rehearse things to yourself or you do come into a conversation really prepared, you know, I can't say how much further that conversation often goes. So I think that's a great tip. I think everything we've spoken about today has been really interesting. As Em said, you are speaking to two very active orientated investors. So I've loved hearing about the other side of the coin. And as Em said, anyone who doesn't currently follow the long way, please get on it. Em and I are both following it and we think it provides some really fabulous, entertaining and, you know, financial insights. So thanks so much, Jess, for coming on the show.
0: Thanks, Jess. And before we go, I would just like to see an example of this power pose because I have never heard
2: of this before. <laughs> well, have you guys watched Ted Lasso? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So my new one that I'm trying to copy off is the girl boss one where she's in a mirror and there's like a tiger and she goes ah. <laughs>
1: If you want to see it, watch the uh TikTok. <laughs> awesome. Well,
2: thanks, Jess.
0: It's been such an enlightening conversation. We've enjoyed having you on, and we can't wait to
2: follow shares and the long ways journey. And please stay in touch. Well, thanks for having me. This was so much fun, and I'm glad to have converted active to passive. So my career <laughs> <here> is done.
1: <laughs> thanks, Jess. Thank you.